Hello everyone and welcome back to London Calling, our very own property podcast brought to you by Corico Independent Mortgage Advisors. This is London Calling. This is part two and we still have with me Stephen Smith, who is the Director of Housing Partnerships for Legal in General and Matt Lowndes, Corico's Managing Director. Um, in part one, we had a, a very nice discussion about new build and, and, and all the issues there. Um, but I just want to come on to three or four more more general questions, if I may. Uh, we've just got over the implementation of the mortgage market review, dealt with loan-to-income caps, and now we have this delightful thing heading our way from Brussels called the European Mortgage Credit Directive. Is this anything for anyone to be worried about, or uh, what sort of impact will it have? Um, my personal view is that I don't think it was ever intended to have a, a big impact because the UK's had a, a set of regulations that's put it right at the top of, I think, good responsible consumer yeah. uh, consumer interface and, and, and responsible lending. This is just bringing us in line with aspects of uh, European regulation <clears throat> because of the way it's been implemented and the fact it's almost that we have to change something to show Europe that we've changed right, something. Okay. There's a couple of areas yeah. which are getting more complicated, one of which is for what I think will be a relatively small number of people, but maybe in your client base, maybe in London, there, there are a few more of them, people who are employed by uh, overseas companies and are paid mm-hmm. in an overseas currency. Yeah, we get a fair few. And, and, and I think that would lead to the technicality of it being a foreign currency mortgage, and a number of lenders have withdrawn from that market up to now, as yeah. I understand it. So that might be a little bit more complicated. Um, the second area is in the area of uh, buy-to-let, mm-hmm. where there's a special subdivision of buy-to-let now called consumer buy-to-let. And, and brokers and then lenders have to make a decision as to whether a, ca- a mortgage will fall into that category. And it really depends on whether the customer's set out to run buy-to-let as a business right. or not, okay. as opposed to have, say, inherited a property that was let yeah. and therefore not set out for it to be yeah. a business. In my view, everybody who's doing buy-to-let is doing it as a business. I was going to say, I've, n- I've never met a client who hasn't made a business decision <laughs> to actually, even if it's a, le- a let to buy, yeah. they, they deliberately want to let out their property. It's not because they can't yeah. sell it. So I think straightforward buy-to-lets will be largely unchanged. Those in grey areas where relatives have been in a property or maybe there's been an inheritance or maybe it's a let to buy, mm. there'll be a few additional hoops and hurdles for the broker to run through and subsequently the lender, but nothing that's going to disrupt the market. So just like MMR was a, a pale shadow of M-Day, yeah. The, yeah. E, the European Credit Directive implementation, I think, will be a pale shadow of MMR. Okay, good. So nothing to worry about, folks. Um, but one of, the, one of the biggest issues in the mortgage market... I'll say that again. One of the biggest issues in the mortgage market at the moment is that of age. Mm. And with an, an ageing population, this is obviously only going to get worse. What, why are lenders so age-sensitive? Is it... Is it just ageism? Is it? Is there a solution on the cards? Are, are you uh, involved in with any of those solutions? I was trying to think back the other day that when I was at Abbey National back in the 70s, did we have an upper age limit on our mortgages? And I can't remember having one. That's a really good question. And, and I've got to go and talk to some people who've been mm. in the industry a bit longer. I think it's the sort of thing that's come in as a rule from the regulators or some advice from the regulators that's been almost taken up by lenders saying we've got to have a maximum age. Yeah. But 
Is, there, know, is there a natural rule there? No, there's from, nothing from the, the FCA. The FCA haven't... Which is why yeah. the, you know, the mighty Melton Building Society, Melton Mowbray Building Society, I think now go up to 85. Yeah, and, yeah. national um, counties as well. National counties yeah. as well. Ipswich. Ipswich, there yeah. you go. So the, you know, the smaller building societies are leading the way, and it'll be nice to see, uh, I, I think, some other lenders follow. Part of the problem, I think, is this... Um, if, and it goes back to M-Day, the concept of vulnerable customers. Yeah. So, understandably, the regulator wants us to take more care of people who probably are less well-informed and are more, not necessarily going to understand everything that we discuss with them mm. as mortgage brokers. And first-time buyers could be argued to be vulnerable customers. People with debt problems are often vulnerable customers. Yeah. But there seems to be a view that, you know, basically anybody over the age of 60 is is uh, entering dotage and they're vulnerable <laughs> And they, you therefore yeah, need to treat them with clean doves. Yeah. And I would say most people I know in their 60s and 70s have a far better idea what's going on with their and money they know a hell of than a the lot 20 and 30-year-olds. Yeah, um, so I think that's a bit patronising. So I would like to see lenders either abolishing the upper age limit yeah. or certainly increasing it out to a, a very considerable age, uh, 85 or 90, and then treating having an open mind about retirement income and mm. really treating retirement income just as you've got with pre-retirement income load of people, we, I'm sure we all know, on very good uh, occupational pension schemes, yeah. finishing on significant proportions of their final salary, um, which is pretty much guaranteed through their retirement. Why should we put restrictions on what they what they do with that money? Yeah, Matt? Uh, well, no, this brings a point. At the beginning, you said uh, LNG have an equity release company. So, you know, obviously that works well for certain people, but not everybody. So for, for me, if you just look at the situation, I mean... It, Surely, a person with a great pension, etc., etc., there's no risk to a lender that they're almost got an interest only and just paying rent. I mean, I, don't, I, don't, I just sort of find the whole thing rather bizarre, to so be it's honest. Less risk from a pension than <laughs> um, than than being employed in your in your first job. That uh, true. I mean, those of us from, who are employed, who knows how long yeah. our employment will go on for? Whereas your pension, you should know that it's going to be paid until mm. you turn up your toes, basically. Yeah. But I think also it comes back to this. Um, a sensitivity amongst lenders and, I suppose, broker firms. You don't want to appear on the front page of the newspapers. Yeah, correct. And if customers are vulnerable, and nobody wants to end up repossessing a little old granny and no. that sort of thing, mm. so maybe there's a whole sensitivity around that. Well, there has to be a midway. There, there has to be a, a, a medium, a, a middle-of-the-road type product that, that actually yeah. maybe moves into some type of equity release which is equity release in, in another way rather than rolling up the interest because most I, of these people right. can they, you know they have every intention I spoke to someone the other day 62 he's self-employed he's going to carry on working for 10-15 years easily no problem but it's uh, hard to get him a deal and people can have a portfolio of careers they might do one job or they might do absolutely yeah. so, so you know a, a series of other jobs and so on but I think uh, I think you're right that the challenge is we've got a regime, a regulatory regime for ordinary mortgages, mm-hmm. and we've got a regulatory regime for equity release mortgages, and we haven't got anything that spans those two. And trying to design products that would could take you from, say, an interest-only mortgage through to um, a serviced interest-only mortgage, mm. through to a partially serviced mortgage where you're paying part of the interest, through to no interest being paid and the, in, the interest rolling up like an equity release that's quite a challenge because it mm. spans two regulatory regimes so you know again the cml council of mortgage lenders are actually working on uh, they've got a working party looking at things like that and our company will be looking at some um, ideas like that further down the line we only bought the company and, and started lending our own money earlier on this year but it's intended to be a long-term um 
investment and uh, area activity for us because as you quite rightly mm -hmm. say there's a huge aging population coming and if you think about the amount of housing wealth that's been built up by oh, the baby absolutely. boomers and so yeah, on, absolutely. there's got to be a way of unlocking that safely. Yeah, and how can we get them yeah. out of those houses? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, you know, in well, a way, I mean, that's the other question. Yeah, that's, yeah. That, that, which is what LNG spoken yeah. out before. And, uh, and, uh, you know, yeah. Jeremy was, to, Duncan, he was uh, presented to us recently and he was talking about you know, the right people in the right housing stock, I guess. And it takes you back to what you were saying about are we building the right houses? Well, I don't think we do build enough good quality houses for older people to downsize into. Mm. which would give them the opportunity for releasing some capital to help them live in retirement, but also would mean that they're living in probably you know, better conditions, more mm. tailored to their needs, perhaps with additional support packages that could yeah. be built in over time. And I, I don't see enough of those type of properties being built. No. Should we be doing things like, like scrapping stamp duty for, for those people, downsizers, to we, make it? Yeah, we've advocated that. I yeah. think it would... Um, Somebody else, uh, somebody clever in one of our, our head office departments did the maths on it, and I think I'm right in saying that as long as that stimulates a certain degree of turnover, it's actually cost-neutral to the Treasury yeah. to waive stamp duty for, say, people of retirement age, people who are drawing mm -hmm. on a pension, um, if they're dropping house uh, bedroom size yeah. numbers. Yeah. Um, and I think it would be an encouragement. If you're looking for things that cause friction in the market, what stops people moving, well... Stamp duty is quite a block these days, isn't it? It's a massive block. I mean, my wife wants to move, and I just look at the stamp duty cost and go, "What's the point?" Yeah. It's it's crazy for that for that stamp duty cost. We can we can extend, we can put a loft extension in, etc. And that's you look at the the roads by us. It's just trucks and vans and builders, and that's yeah. what everyone's doing. No one's better off flattening the house, Monty, and building the house you want. Well, that's what they're doing. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Well, you could relocate Corico to someone like Sunderland, and. <laughs> <laughs> You'd all be living in mansions, wouldn't you? <laughs> it's not a bad idea, Matt. I quite like the North East. You might not get to a Wimbledon game, though. No, <laughs> not many. <laughs> so where, where, see, uh, you mentioned innovation in, in, in the first part. Is, is there any coming back into the market? Is it just the smaller building societies who are innovating and, and the big boys still too scared to? I think they're innovating at the fringes, the smaller building societies, and certainly if you, if you, if you think about if you like, criteria changes and pushing the boundaries of criteria, like the age limit one, yeah. that's where you'll see the pressure coming on the bigger boys. In terms of really radical stuff, I think we probably need to look to the big lenders. So the thing we were talking about earlier on with um, multiple ownership of properties, but being able to buy and sell shares yeah. of it, I could see a big lender um, bringing that to market who's put in the time and effort to lobby with the regulators and government because mm. that's the sort of thing that would be you know at the moment the main block for lenders in any innovation is you've got to produce a KFI or an ESIS in future yeah you know the, the illustration of the amount that you're going to pay and it has to be in a standard format and if you come up with a really innovative product like that multiple property mortgage I should imagine somebody puts their head in their hands and says that we couldn't produce a KFI on that. Yeah. So you need to lobby yeah. the regulator yeah, about uh, a dispensation to do something yeah. different. And there might be other aspects of regulation that need changing. And so I think really radical stuff, I think, could come from the bigger lenders. But I think they need a bit of time. Let's let ESIS land, uh, sort of ESIS and, um, and, the, and the Mortgage Credit Directive land next year. Yeah. And maybe the year after we might see some interesting stuff. I think they've got to take account of everything you were talking about earlier on about younger people. Yeah, um, absolutely. Because the, the idea of, uh, I've got two sons, 23 and 20, and the concept of them going into a bank branch to sit down for an interview with a man in a suit, no, no way. No uh, chance. So however they will buy their eventual mortgage, it won't yeah. be through that route. He's a mortgage broker, aren't they? Yeah. <laughs> well, they might be applying for, uh, we, we'll, turn, we'll turn that allowance loan. <laughs> there you go. 
um so i've got a couple of general questions and and then uh, then we'll let you go um and this is a question and it's a conversation that leads many people to roll their eyes does anyone have any idea when interest rates are going to rise um are economists just speculating just to try and get headlines and and does carney even have a plan uh, uh, i don't know there's loads of jokes about economists you know if you <laughs> yeah. laid all the economists in the uk end to end they still wouldn't reach a conclusion um, <laughs> but i think i think I like that mr one. carney like a wise general i think is changing the plan when the facts change Right. So I don't think anybody was expecting inflation to be... Uh, is it zero th- again this month? Uh, it was below zero. It was below it was, zero. Yeah. It was so, negative, you know, yeah. When did we last... So you know, I don't think anybody was expecting that, and that's largely driven by the fall in food prices and the fall in oil prices yeah, and so on. absolutely. Um, but when inflation's at zero, there's not actually a lot of need to ramp up interest rates. So it does keep sort of drifting off over the horizon. Our house view, Legal and General's house view, is the second half of next year. Okay. So not until then. And then even then... The received wisdom is that these will be small changes, perhaps yeah, 25 basis points, yeah. quarter of a percent, yeah. step by step by step. So in terms of people being hit in the pocket, oh, oh, and the other point is, of course, I don't know about you guys, but most of the business going through the mortgage club is on fixed rates now. Yeah, correct. So even changing interest rates doesn't have an immediate impact yeah. on most mortgage yeah. borrowers because yeah. they're on a fixed rate. And there are loads of cash buyers as well. And there's loads of cash buyers as well. So it's a it's a blunt instrument, so yeah. to speak. I don't think we're going to see a massive change in people's uh, ability to pay or an upswing in arrears or an upswing in possessions for... Mm. I just don't think we're going to see it, actually. I think people will accommodate. Yeah, I agree with you. Um, and we've also seen a massive shift over the past couple of years to... Well, I think the figures are around 70, 75% of all mortgages now being done by brokers. And long may it continue. <laughs> is, it, is it likely to continue or will there be the lenders strike back? I, I, th- I think if MMRs taught us one, one thing is that lenders really struggle to cope with the requirement to provide advice yeah. in every branch yeah. or every Absolutely. call centre. And y- you know what it takes to recruit really good quality people and get them trained up to do a professional job. Matt just shook his head there. <laughs> and, and Hardest the le- thing I've ever done. <laughs> and the lenders had to do that in relatively short time and, and yeah. staff up hundreds of people, and, and I think they've struggled. Mm. So I think lenders will look at the relative costs of distribution between their branch and direct and intermediaries, and the argument's got to come down in favour of intermediaries. Mm. So I can actually see it increasing, so quite possibly 80-85% over the next two or three years right, and I right. could even see some fairly big lenders taking the plunge and saying we're not even going to bother mm. servicing customer need if a customer comes in we'll send them off to Corrigan Are they going to pay us any money for doing that? Extra money? Oh I hope so I hope so <laughs> one, of, one of the themes we've been banging on about lenders is that um, you know you get what you deserve if, you, if, if you're a distributor of, uh, of, um, of Chablis uh, or, uh, or or beautiful um, burgundy wines, you'd like to think that your wines are going to be sold by a proper wine merchant with a chilled cellar and not by some guy in a corner shop where the bottles have been sat on top of the air conditioning unit. Yeah. If lenders pay us enough, we will invest in our businesses. Yep, yeah. And we'll uh, invest totally in systems Absolutely. and people yep. and Absolutely. training and quality, and they will then have quality distribution. If they starve us of procuration fees... 
or they're you know penny pinching about procuration fees, then we won't. Mm. So I don't, you know, and I've said at conferences and stuff, I'd hate to think that if we were paid more fees, we'd buy bigger cars or go on longer yeah. holidays. We should be investing in our businesses to make <laughs> well, sure. Yeah, that... There's no chance of that with us. <laughs> no, it gets reinvested. That's yeah, what's supposed to happen. Absolutely, that's so, what we've always because ultimately it's down to the customer, and we've got to give them a good service. And, uh, and, and to be honest, if you're talking about young people like we have been, or they're, they're not used to the way things used to be done. Oh. They are much more. What did my mate say? Peer pressure. What you know? What's your Google review like? Why do yeah. I use you? Yeah. You know, it's it's very different. So we need to invest. So I mean, I, I think lenders are strong arguments, and all of us ought to keep it up to bang on to lenders about paying us more. Fair days pay. Yeah. Fair days work. Absolutely. Well, uh, I'll echo that. And then finally, then how do you how do you see the market for for the rest of this year and into next year? And, and what do you think is our or the mortgage market's main challenges you in the future. Punchy prediction, I seem to remember. How close? <laughs> well, how close is it? We did say two two five at the beginning of the year, and then at the half year, the CML retrenched to two thousand to, to two hundred and seven billion. So this yeah. is gross lending, yeah, not net lending, but so yeah. gross lending, total amount of new mortgage lending. But I'm told by a number of big lenders that they're now forecasting about two fifteen, because oh, really? the back end of the year is going really yeah. well. So we will hit another record year this year. I'm sure you guys, yeah. guys will hit another yeah, record yeah. year this year. I think the year is going to end very strongly and will take us next year into a very good order book for the first part of the year yeah. as well. So the CML's forecast at mid-year for next year was $230 billion. Mm-hmm. I think that's very, very achievable. Wow. And the vast majority of that uplift, say say we finish on 212 213 this year, the vast majority of that 18 to 20 billion uplift will come through intermediaries. Yeah. It's a good place to be at the moment, being a mortgage intermediary. We're going to need some more brokers, Matt. Yeah, have you got any cloning? <laughs> I need to clone some brokers. I'll, I'll think of a different way of doing this because it's, uh, it's, quite, it's quite tough at the moment. There are some really good people and there's some not quite so good people. So as, as we all know, we're all, we're all fighting over the same people. Mm. That's the problem we've got at the moment. Yeah. yeah. Well, thank you very much, everyone. Thanks, Stephen. Thank you very much for coming. Appreciate your time. And thank you, Matt. Pleasure. Um, and thank you all for listening. We'll be back soon with some more topical chats. And as ever, any comments or requests for topics to cover in future episodes, please feel free to contact us on Twitter. We are at Corico or through our website at www.corico.co.uk. Until next time, this is London Calling. (laughs) 